0: Welcome to the Career Thrivers Podcast, where we're not just barely surviving in our careers, but we are boldly thriving as leaders. I'm your host, Brittany N. Cole, keynote speaker, author, CEO, and your partner in growth. I've spent over the past decade teaching leaders to develop, retain, and advance in their career and with their workforce. And today, I'm here to guide you on your journey. Here at Career Thrivers, we believe that every experience is an opportunity for continuous improvement. And guess what? You're in the driver's seat of that growth. You're the master of your destiny and the architect of your own success. So whether you're a business leader or a career professional, you are in the right place. Are you ready for this? I'm so excited to be here with you. This season, we're gonna be exploring this theme of owning your power. And I firmly believe in the value of ownership and owning your power, not only in your career, but also in your life. We'll delve into thought-provoking discussions, learn from industry leaders and equip ourselves with the tools and strategies to thrive in our careers. So buckle up Thrivers, as we gear up to take your leadership skills to the next level. Welcome back to the Career Tharbers Podcast. We are in for a conversation that I'm so excited about because I believe this is one of those topics that when we think about career and leadership, particularly at the intersection of women and women of color, it's one that is often talked about in smaller circles, but isn't as mainstream as this conversation is growing to be. So I'm excited to sit down and have a conversation with celebrity hairstylists DEI speaker and educator, Monet Everett. Monet, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. I'm glad that you're here. And we know that we love stories here. We love to kind of hear about your career journey. So let's kick off there. Take us back kind of to the beginning of your journey and talk to us about what drew you to the beauty industry and how you've seen it evolve over the years absolutely i was that talkative
1: child who always had something to say about the way celebrities looked on red carpets and magazines and at events and you know this was back before we had like uh, red carpet coverage and stuff and most people were just not into this conversation and they would say you know if you can't do better you just shouldn't have an opinion at all and i was like you know i really think what a little training i could do better uh, so I thought, OK, well, I'll just go to cosmetology to pay my way through college, uh, which I went to get degrees in communications. But after walking across the stage, I said, Mommy, here's this degree. I'm going to stay in beauty. There's so many amazing opportunities in beauty that so many people don't know about. And, you know, you can have so many different types of careers. And I was just blessed that I found the beauty industry when I was really young, like in my teenage years. And I've stuck with it ever since.
0: I love that. So I know for some of us, you know, we hear the beauty industry. And for many of our listeners, you know, they are part of Fortune 500 organizations that may or may not be in the beauty industry. So sometimes there can be this question of like, you know, well, how does this relate? And I know for myself as a Black woman, and I know that you can relate to this as well, we think of our hair as our crown. We, we, a lot of, Our confidence even is definitely connected to our hair. So talk to us a little bit about like the role of hair as it relates to your personal identity and how you believe hair plays a role in shaping that for women and particularly women of color.
1: So most of us uh, biblically are raised that your hair is your crown. And for those who don't believe in that, we generally are all raised that the better you look, the better you feel. It helps you to increase your confidence. and helps you to present yourself in particular ways, whether you believe that beauty is a large part of uh, your day-to-day life or not. You know that people perceive you differently based on the way you look and the way you show up. Beauty bias is a real thing, and most
0: of us just try to use it to our favor. Okay, so talk to us about your work as a celebrity hairstylist, particularly around the challenges that you've experienced related to inclusion in the beauty industry? Maybe share an experience or a story that comes to mind.
1: Brittany, there are so many stories I could share with you. I grew up in Northern Virginia and could never point to having any issues. And when I moved back home to New York in the North, I just knew things could only get better. Uh, So when you're a celebrity hairstylist, You cut your teeth doing photo shoots for magazines and events and things like that. That's how your name gets put in those circles. So when I moved to New York, I was so happy on a Thursday night at like 7 p.m. I got a phone call to do an editorial shoot at this huge magazine. So I go to, and I'm, I'm ecstatic. I go to sign in the next day. It's this huge security system. And I didn't know personally the person who hired me, but the security were like, we are so happy to see you, which I should have known was an awkward sign right there. And they said um, the person who hired you because they could see who I was a guest of. They were like, he's right there. He's right next to you. So now I'm super excited. But he looks at me and turns around and walks away. And I'm thinking, oh, because he didn't know me. Like I didn't know him. No problem. So we're going up this massive amount of escalator. It's probably 10 levels. So it takes you a couple of minutes. So I'm standing there on there and I was like, I'll well, speak to him. say something. So I was like, hi, I'm Monet Everett. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for hiring me for this shoot. And he cut me off. He said, look, it's just a black model and don't nobody want to deal with that. Wow. I'm in shock. I, I don't know what to say um, because I'd never dealt with anything so blatant before. So I say, okay, Monet, you're here. Don't mess up your opportunity. Do a great job. So we do the shoot and they wanted me to work with this black model with naturally curly hair. um, And they wanted the shots in Central Park, Uh, but they wanted her hair straight all day. So my poor sister, I had to straighten her hair repeatedly all day. So this guy's boss Comes and he's looking at the images and he was like, Oh my God, they're so good. You can't even tell that it was raining outside. So now it's the end of my end of the day. So this is my shot. And I say to the person who had said that to me on the way up the escalator, um, I said, Thank you so much for complimenting my work. I really loved working with you guys. I would love to come back and shoot again. And he said, Yeah, um, leave your information. Maybe we'll let you assist a real hairstylist. And I, I was like, I, I don't understand. Excuse me. I said, I, I led today. I did both hair and makeup and I led today. He said, Black models don't count. No one wants to be bothered with them. Wow. So you would think that's the end of my story. So I leave and I don't know what to do with what happened. I don't know who to talk to about it. I'm just at a loss. Um, And I decide, well, I'm going to create my own opportunities and I'm going to start befriending editors by doing a makeover series. So I met this one lovely uh, editor at a major com- competing magazine and she let me do her makeover and we shot videos and she loved it. She said, Monet, what can I do to help you get further in your career? I was like, perfect. Everything's working. I said, can you introduce me to some other editors so that they can hire me for shoes? No problem. Who is the first and only person she introduces me to? The original guy. So I'm thinking, "Oh, okay, I don't know what to do. And he responds back to the email. I'd love to meet with Monet. Absolutely send her in. In my mind, clearly he doesn't know. He doesn't remember. It's been a few mm-hmm, months. Mm-hmm. I go and I sit down and I have my huge 11 by 14 portfolio because this is before artists were getting slick and just using an iPad. Mm-hmm. And this portfolio was easily $1,500. So he sits down, he greets me, he sits down and he starts oh, like flipping massive pages at a time. So clearly not looking at mm-hmm. stuff. And I said, yeah, I'm I'm happy to be back. I'm so happy that this person referred us. And he was like, well, I don't know why you would even set up the interview. I already told you nobody wants to be bothered with Black models. And that's all you'll be able to work with. And we just don't need people for that. We only need people to come in with the Black girls. But I have real hair and makeup artists. I was dumbfounded. And in hindsight, of course, there's many things that you uh, would do differently, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know we lived in a world where this was the norm and where this Hispanic man would tell me that I'm only good enough to work with uh, Black people, you know, with us both being minorities and him having such a high role. I can only imagine that he dealt with his share of diversity and inclusion issues Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's how that Oh, there is so much. This magazine calls me all the time now. And now I'm like, without them. And now I get to decide when I work with them and when I die.
0: I know that's right. Listen, there's so much in that though, Monet. And I think one of the things that is most prominent in my mind right now is this distinction between women of color, people of color, and Black. And many people don't understand, don't want to understand, or are okay pretending that they don't understand that they are not one in the same. And so that story, like many others, is an indication of there is a distinction, particularly in the United States. And oftentimes when we you know, aren't, whether it's diversifying the data, being clear on the experience, being specific about the kind of diversity we want to attract and retain as it relates to this category of people of color, we miss the nuance that even within that, there can still be discrimination. Even within that, there can still be a massive lack of understanding of the experiences of black women in professional settings. So
1: absolutely. And I'll tell you one other story. That happened not too long after this, I was doing a major campaign. When I say major, think 40 models, uh, 60 hair and makeup, art like we, it was massive. And I was assisting the lead artist at the time and they wanted to interview different models about beauty and beauty issues. So I got assigned this one beautiful redhead model. So I'm sitting in there to watch her hair while she does her interview. And whatever they asked her, she said, look, I don't want to talk about that. What I want to talk about is the lack of uh, diversity and beauty. So now I set up because what we're going to talk about. And she said, as a red haired model, um, you guys don't want me. We're always the last to be picked. And you try to fill your diversity quota. You have a blonde in your campaign, a brunette in your campaign. And then you want us to fight for the third spot. The redheads fight the Asians, fight the Latins, fight the blacks for one spot all the time because you guys don't even see me as truly white. And I was like, yes, sis, get into it. Tell them. And it made me so I would say that happened around 2014. When you look through major ad campaigns, generally it's three models. And she is exactly right. Blonde brunette and one of these others to fit in. And it's to your point that every culture has different nuances and different things that they consider to be beautiful. So unfortunately for us, we're fighting, you know, within uh, minorities and also against the majority at the same time.
0: Yeah. And it it can certainly be one of those instances where it's hard to kind of, you know, find your place, advocate for yourself, understand the different dynamics. That's why and, and I used to be very shocked by the statement, but working in this space for quite some time now, you'll hear people say things like, you know, especially more senior executives, that diversity is divisive. I, I'll never forget I was coming into an organization to do some consulting with them, and it was one of the first things that the CEO said to me, and I was like, wow, you know, not only is that such a Missed opportunity, but it was a massive educational opportunity to to be able to help them understand that. Well, you don't think diversity is divisive, divisive when it comes to your financial portfolio, you know. You don't believe that diversity is divisive when it comes to um, how you think about your your asset allocation. Why is it that when it comes to people, when it's been proven time and time again that diversity is good for business, and that there are many different dimensions of diversity, is it all of a sudden? a divisive topic from the jump. It's such a fixed mindset initially. So there's a lot of education that can be done. You are now, as you kind of mentioned, like, okay, now this big brand, they're calling me. I get to choose when I work with them. Talk to us about that transition in terms of your own career, about how you became a DEI, DNI advocate and a speaker for some of these major beauty brands that are looking to you for your expertise?
1: Yeah. So um, I went to school for communications and sociology. I was always into the study of groups and I really love beauty. I love making people look and feel beautiful. However, I got to see what was said behind the scenes about different models. I got to see how they were pushed to the back or weren't properly Lit. And I began to open my mouth and speak uh, really openly. So I did an interview with All Magazine some years back talking about the lack of diversity and also patriarchy uh, in beauty. And I noticed that so many times, even if you look at the front facing models for beauty brands, you would have a beautiful white girl. Like, like we said earlier, a beautiful blonde, a beautiful brunette and just a forgotten about third person. Then when I would dig deeper, I would find out these major brands were hiring hairstylists who couldn't style all textures of hair. Would you have hairstylists getting paid five and $10,000 a day to style hair and they can't style all textures of hair? That's crazy. So how are we selecting these people? We're clearly selecting these people that we're friends with, or that we simply like, we're not selecting the people who are the most qualified for the jobs. So just before the pandemic, I started being asked by a lot of different brands to come in and to train their hairstylists on all hair textures. Well, they would always say, come in and train us on black hair. And I would always point out, hair has more in common across the textures than anything else. There's no black hair, there's no white hair, no Latin hair, it simply doesn't exist we have four different textures and they can be on everybody's um, head. Then I also started having brands like Intuit reach out to me to talk to me, for me to come in and educate their employees on beauty biases and how to make everyone feel comfortable. We had to talk about different ways that people judge each other based on their hair. And I even drew attention to the fact that we have had laws about Black women's hair since before this country was a country like the Tegan Act, um, which I'm sure I don't pronounce properly, um, that that was passed um, in the Gulf in Louisiana before the Louisiana Purchase happened, making Louisiana part of the United States. And what that said was that Black women's hair is so alluring that it needs to be covered up as to not tempt white men. But it's interesting that we're taught that our hair is ugly, unmanageable, unprofessional. But since the 1770s, there have been laws on the books specifically about black people's hair.
0: Yeah. And it, it has, I believe, come into the mainstream. So someone that's outside of the beauty industry and certainly um, correct me where I may be wrong on this, but my observation has been, In the last maybe four years or so, we're seeing this growing conversation around um, hair and what is not only just hair, but what is considered, quote unquote, professional hair in the workplace. And it really struck a chord with me because uh, when I think about my own corporate career, I grew up in uh, sales, pharmaceutical sales at that. So an industry where traditionally speaking, your appearance matters so much. I'll never forget like training, which I did like three or four times with my organization because I was an intern for a couple of summers. And then I came back on as a, as a full-time hire. And I mean, there was this intensive training on, um, you know, executive presence and how to wear your hair and what was an acceptable dress. And so, I mean, I remember, and I, I'm one of those black women who would have the vacation braids. And before I showed back up to work, would show up with my quote-unquote professional bob. So talk to us about uh, the Crown Act has been extremely um, impactful when it comes to more inclusive hair within the workplace. For those who might be unfamiliar, talk to us about um, that legislation and how it's impacted the beauty and corporate industry. Hey, Thriver, have you ever had that feeling like you're doing all of the things, but you're still in the same place? If you're ready to unleash your full potential and to move beyond feeling stuck, stagnant, overlooked, and overwhelmed, you're in the right place. I have an exciting tool for you called the Own Your Power Checklist, and it's the ultimate guide to helping you to own your personal power to thrive as a leader. Now this checklist is gonna help you to do four things. Number one, it's gonna help you to own your unique personal power and to really weld it. It's gonna help you to embrace your authenticity, to develop self-awareness, to take ownership and hold yourself accountable. And then lastly, how to trust your instincts and turn those obstacles into opportunities. I'm so excited for you to cultivate an authentic personal brand and remain resilient without it costing you your well-being. Why? Well, because now is the time. Now is the time for you to move beyond the barriers and to create new opportunities. Now is the time for you to stop being passed over and to start being recommended in rooms that you're not even in. Now is the time for you to stop feeling stuck and stagnant and to align your strengths to accelerate your growth. Now is the time for you to step into the leader that you were always meant to be. So don't miss out on this opportunity. Click the link to download the Own Your Power checklist now. Take the next step towards owning your personal power and thriving as a leader. Get your checklist today at careerthrivers.com forward slash podcast. It's your time to thrive.
1: So the Crown Act stands for creating a respectful and open world for natural hair. Uh, what people don't realize is there are so many laws on the book saying that you can't judge, uh, your employees or you can't fire them for looks or you can't fire them for this, that, or the other. But most of those laws specifically state, uh, locks are not included. Braids are not included. Who are the people who are wearing their hair in locks and braids? Um, big curly hair is not included. I worked for a brand, a hair brand, a hair salon brand with 20 employees and we were not allowed to wear our hair curling to work think about all of the times like specifically the wrestler comes to mind where he was number one in his state he went to nationals and he was told he had three minutes to remove his locks or he would have to forfeit the title many times we're put in these situations where we have to choose our goal over our looks either forfeit your goal um, or stay true to yourself and many times even if you were to win in an appellate decision for this particular young man he would have still forfeited the match or think about all of the students that are not allowed to walk across the stage because their school says their braids or their locks um, are poor representation or unkept hair. Mm-hmm. so it's really interesting to me uh, that we needed the crown act and let's be clear we definitely need The Crown Act, um, and it's still not national legislation, it's passed in, I believe, um, 10 states and some cities. We're 50 states. Why would this not be a national, federal um, initiative? That is completely crazy. Um, And to your point about being in the C-suite or knowing how to come back to work, this is something that's deeply ingrained in us because many people have to deal with the sneers and the write-ups and things of that nature, but what happens for the people who maybe are not written up and maybe no one ever directly told them that they dislike their hair, but now they're being passed over for promotions.
0: And, and that's not only anecdotal. So if you are listening in or watching this episode on YouTube, make sure to head over to CrownAct.com. They actually published in partnership with LinkedIn and Dove a workplace research study so some statistics that you might not know um include two and in th- two and three two out of three black women uh, change their hair for a job interview and and specifically um they wear their hair straight so you were you were talking about you know natural natural curly hair um they feel that pressure and and I mean I was trained that way so it's like reading those statistics it's like you know coming from a space and place where, yeah, was considered more professional to wear your hair straight versus how it grows out of your head by any means necessary, chemical, hot comb, flat iron, you know, whatever the case might be. Um, Black women's hair is more than two times more likely, two and a half times more likely to be deemed as unprofessional. So if you aren't familiar with that, um, especially as a people leader and if you aren't familiar with where your state stands um, on this issue when it comes to bias particularly if you work at an organization who's been very vocal about uh, your diversity equity and inclusion goals and making sure that the workplace is more inclusive and equitable highly encourage you to check out the crown act and, and I, i'd be remiss if i didn't share because she's on my mind right now but uh I'm so appreciative of executive level leaders like a Tashonda Brown Duckett, who I can remember like the slight surprise the first time I Googled her and saw that she had headshots and box braids, you know, and I mean, she wears braids all the time, you know, as a CEO of TIAA. And so it's just really great to kind of see this wave, but also this demonstration of authentic leadership by Black women and women of color who are saying, you know what, we're going to be the representation that maybe you didn't see early in your career to wear our hair the way that it grows out of our head, which I love seeing.
1: Yeah, I love that as well. And I just think about the pride that our mothers and grandmothers had in straightening our hair for those interviews. Yeah. The pride that they had in helping their baby get further and, and how sad it is. And I'm really proud that in this day and age, we can see Generation um, Z and Generation Alpha who never have touched relaxers don't have any idea what it means to have to straighten their hair for a school dance or a graduation. And I am not
0: anti-relaxer, but I'm pro do whatever you would like to do with your hair without repercussions absolutely i love that speaking of you know we might ha- we may have some younger listeners or listeners that might be in a career transition that are looking to get into the beauty industry um certainly we see you know the this influencer marketing space kind of catapulting many women who've never been in the beauty industry before into that as a career option so Based on your expertise, what advice would you give aspiring beauty leaders on how to get into the market, but also how to continue to promote inclusivity?
1: Oh my goodness. There's so many different ways to get into the market, depending on what you want to do. It can be beauty marketing, beauty influencing, it could be celebrity styling, um, advertising. Um, Those are more of my fields. I would say um, if you want to get into more of the hands on part, like uh, styling for magazines and photo shoots and celebrities, make sure to always display a diverse portfolio. Make sure that you have uh, different hair textures displayed in your portfolio, different ethnicities displayed in your portfolio, different hair lengths displayed in your portfolio. And I'm loving that specifically in 2023, I'm starting to see um people rallying against ableism and having uh, clearly disabled models in their book or in their campaigns. When you do things like this, you show the powers that be that you can think outside the box, that you don't believe that beauty only comes in one standard and that you celebrate different types of beauty all across the board.
0: Yeah. Some people might feel, you know, that we're at a stage in place, whether it's because of the Crown Act or because of conversations like this you know, that we're, we're there or we're making improvements or things are, you know, better, I guess, in your opinion, what changes still need to be made? What challenges are still out there in the beauty industry? And how can professionals at every level from executive to entry advocate for those changes?
1: So if you are someone that believes that diversity, we, we've already achieved it, that's because your algorithm is lying to you, because you probably are already a Black woman. So you continuously see Black people excelling. You can, you consistently see Black people in leadership positions or Black models portrayed. But we are, I mean, well under 5%. It, we're barely on the board in terms of representation for Black-owned brands or Black uh, leaders in the C-suite for beauty brands. So that's just completely untrue if you believe that maybe this is where it is, like one class I teach about Fashion Week, um, I polled a lot of the students who want to work backstage at Fashion Week as hairstylists or makeup artists. And a lot of them said that they didn't think we needed diversity. They see a lot of diverse um, runway shows. And when I went through and showed them, there were about 140 shows for New York Fashion Week, and maybe six of them are led by Black people and maybe two or three have an all-Black staff, their mouth dropped. But their algorithm repeatedly shows them these shows and different angles of these shows and the different perspectives of the artists that are on the show. So they think, oh my God, everything's better. So I would grab clips from other Fashion Week shows that are outside of our general algorithm and show them where you could see there was not one Brown or Black person in sight. And that's just the norm. So advice that I give to those in positions to hire are only hire artists who are diverse, only hire artists who display their ability to work with brown and black skin, Um, seek them out. So you want to look at their portfolios. You also want to go to their Instagram and you want to see when they're in the media, what are they talking about? Because once you reach the level of representing a brand or doing fashion weeks or advertisements, generally you have interviews in the media. And if that person is aloof or they don't find diversity as important, they will end up being an issue for your business later when you have to answer the question of, not only why you don't have diversity, let me be clear. The question is, why do you keep hiring people who are unable to fully do the job? Why do you allow those artists to take lead credits and bring in assistance, um, generally black assistants, to do all of the hard work and get no credit? So it's not so simple as have diverse people, hire diverse people who are qualified to do the job. Ask yourself, why are you going with Tim Again, yes, he did the last five advertisements you did, but Tim was unable to service half of the clientele there. So what are you really relying on when you're choosing whom you work with? I would advise the C-suite to look deep into that and understand that this is how it represents you, specifically those in charge of marketing so you understand the public's view of your brand. Um, Take your time to make sure that when you're choosing models, that they represent a gamut. Maybe we can't stick to the same old three models. Maybe when advertising your brand, we need five or seven models so that we can all so that we can show not only different skin tones, but different hair textures and different lengths of hair. Because everybody doesn't have big booming waist length hair. So yeah, I, I have a lot to say to those of you who are responsible for what is output. And I really love consulting with brands and doing different things from training their artists to be able to style all hair textures to training the staff on vocabulary and how to work with uh, people of diverse backgrounds and even training them on what is actually beautiful. How many times are these brands called out because two of their models look amazing and one of their models look like they just rolled out of bed and no one touched them. And the truth of the matter as someone who is backstage many times when a model with curly or coily hair comes in, truly no one ever touches them. They literally go from the bed, pass a swipe on makeup, get told well, your hair looks perfect. And they go right in front of the camera. And sometimes it looks like it.
0: Wow. I was going to ask you how you ways that you work with brands, but no, that, that is such great insight. And it, it was bringing up for me as well, some of the similarities that we see in, You know, the the non-beauty industry, you know, corporations who have great goals and aspirations. But then when you look at the leadership representation, it's abysmal when it comes to representing that commitment to diversity. So, you know, even in context with, you know, organizations outside of the beauty industry, those goals must go beyond entry level or must go beyond, you know, um, the assistant level, um, of roles within the organization, but truly be represented throughout at every leadership level. So whether it's the credits in the beauty industry or whether it's, you know, those who are representing you on stages for industry conferences, there is that representative leadership across the board. It's so, so critical. So, As we kind of wrap up here, are kind of getting close to the end of our conversation. You know, I'm curious about how you juggle all your hats, right? So as a celebrity hairstylist, as a consultant in the DEI space and advocate where corporations are bringing you in to advise, and then you're also educating students and rising stars within the beauty industry. Um, How are you juggling and, you know, continue to expand your leadership capacity in these three areas?
1: Lots of Google calendars, uh, first and foremost, uh, but, you know, I operate with an open hand and I always use this example. Everybody wants to put their hand out and everybody wants someone to put something in their hand. The only way that you make space to receive is by giving to others. Mm-hmm. I am passionate about the beauty industry. I am passionate about young black women and helping them find their ways. And I am passionate about creating change. And, you know, although I've tried, apparently you can't do it from your bed. So, you know, I got to be out there moving and shaking and, and helping to change the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you are. And I feel like I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this, but also, you know, as a leader, I think it's so important that leaders know when they're they thinking, oh, you know, how did this person get this or do that? I'm a firm believer in the value of ownership, which includes owning your leadership journey, your career journey. And so you and I are in a mastermind together, you know, so you are continuing to make an investment in yourself, in your growth, in your leadership, you know, as a, a, a beauty expert, but also as a business owner. And that also um, is how you advance and and create great synergy between all the things that you choose to do.
1: Absolutely. So we're always growing. We're always uh, learning. I love, Brittany, that you have created a podcast to really get your IP out there, to really show different parts of you and to bring uh, other thought leaders to the forefront. I see you have your book. I've written a couple of books back here too. No matter where you are, there's always room for you to give back and there's always room for you to show the different parts of you that you offer. And uh, although I keep going back to it, laying in your bed isn't going to get you where you want to go. So you got to be out there moving, shaking and and learning. And if you are teaching others, that should mean that
0: you remain a student. There's always more to learn learn. So, so true. So as you look forward as an expert in this space, as someone who's educating others, when you think about your legacy and the future of the beauty industry, What do you envision? What do you envision for the future of the beauty industry? And then what do you envision as your legacy and contribution and impact in the space?
1: What I envision for the future of the beauty industry, I want my kids to say, oh my God, mommy, you had to talk to them about diversity. I want my kids to say, oh my God, mommy, there were black women who were scared to leave their houses unless their hair was straight. There were companies who would, put kids um, in a commercial and have one of them with lint balls because no one touched their head. I want them to think that that was wild and unbelievable. I want the beauty industry to be inclusive of different types of beauty and to show people we don't all have to fit into the same mode. Beauty is vast.
0: So vast. And final question before we ask, how can we stay in touch with you? When you think about thriving as a leader, as a business owner, and also in your industry, and just as a woman, what does thriving mean to you? Thriving means to me
1: achieving your version of success. So even to add to your last question, another thing that I I take very personally that means the world to me, I want to see uh, specifically Black women um, being successful in um, being affluent you and making a lot of money for what they have to offer. I don't want it to be this ring that we're always chasing because we offer so much to so many different communities. I want us to be properly compensated. I want our businesses to be properly invested within. And I want us to be able to pass our crowns on down to the next generation.
0: Beautiful. I love it. How can we stay connected with you? Keep up with what you got going on. Grab copies of your book. Where's the best place to stay in touch?
1: So um, life.com has all of that good stuff right there for you and teaching about my diversity and my speaking. If you want to see the celebrities I style, you can follow my Instagram at Monet Artistry. If you're interested in me, Teaching and um, helping your corporation to learn and grow, you can go to uh, my Instagram at Monet ever And I am excited to hear from everyone here. And I am always checking everything. So reach out to me. Let's connect. The emails abound. I'll get them. I have 15 <laughs> of them, but I'll get them. Send me an email.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, we, we will definitely make sure all of that's in the show notes so that everyone can stay connected with you. And until next time, let's thrive together. Take care. And that's a wrap on today's episode, Thrivers. Remember, the power to thrive is in your hands. You have the strength, the patience, the passion, and the brilliance to reach for your next level and to seize it. Never forget that you are not alone on this journey. Together, we will learn, grow, and make strides to lead well. I'm Brittany and Cole reminding you to trust your instincts, to honor your strengths, to embrace those opportunities, and to own your power. Remember, download the Own Your Power checklist to keep you on track with your growth over at careerthrivers.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for joining us on the Career Thrivers podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode. And until next time, as we break boundaries and own our power, let's thrive together.